High Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Grab your Bible, go to Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to be beginning a, be beginning a series tonight entitled Retold, Sunday School Stories You Thought You Knew. Uh, how, many, how many of you grew up in church like me? How many of you grew up in church, going to church all the time? All right, how many of you are heathens in here and you didn't grow up going to church? All right, all right, a couple of y'all. I grew up going to church, and growing up in church, uh, if you grew up in church like me, being in a Christian home, the classic Bible stories particularly in the Old Testament, which is what we're going to mainly look at, are ones that you know like the back of your hand, right? David and Goliath. We know David and Goliath. Noah and the ark. Daniel and the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? The children of Israel at the Red Sea, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. We know these stories really, really well, but sometimes we become so acquainted with them and so familiar with them that we almost treat them in the same manner that we would treat a fairy tale or any other morality tale that you may hear, and you go, it's a good story, and it's got this great character who's a hero, and he overcomes the evil, and isn't that wonderful, almost like it's a bedtime story. But did you know that in all of these stories, they are speaking something to you? And they're speaking something to me. Romans 15 says that for whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction. That means that these are more than just nice little stories you're intended to read and go, well, isn't that nice? These are meant to speak to you, to give you instruction, to say something to you. So what we're going to do over the next several weeks is look at some of these classic uh, classic narratives in Scripture and look and see what can we learn from these. What are these scriptures saying to us and about us today? And I want us to really dig in and begin to discover that for ourselves. Amen. Exodus 14, verse 10, it says this. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt... You have taken us away to die in the wilderness. Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall again, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Somebody shout forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on to dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Verse 19. 
And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch the Lord looked down upon the army of Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians, and he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on their chariots, on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth, while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, not so much as one of them remained." But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Verse 30. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt, so the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Stop there. I know that's a lot of scripture, but I wanted you to read all of it, to see all of it. And plus, you're welcome. You got your daily Bible reading in right there. Uh, I want to unpack this a little bit and see what is this actually saying to us. And when I look at this, when I read this, I think one of the biggest takeaways that we can draw from it is this. The process, I want you to hear this good. The process from promise to possession is filled with bumps and bruises, but God will be victorious in the end. That's what this is saying to us. The process... From promise to possession is filled with bumps and bruises, but God will be victorious in the end. So I want to, you to imagine for a moment to put yourself in this day, and you're a young Hebrew who's living in this era, in the era of the Exodus, particularly before the plagues come and before even what we just read. And you've heard since you were born the promises of God for you and for your people, and you've heard it for years and years and years how you're favored of the Lord, how God has a great plan for you, how he has a promised land that he's going to bring you into, how God's going to do great and powerful and wonderful and miraculous things through you and your family and your nation, and God is just going to bless you in an abundant measure, and, and he's going to do incredible things, and you are the most favored of God, all while living in slavery. You want to talk about a frustrating prospect. You want to talk about a situation where you really just want to get to a point where you go, I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to hear another promise from God. I don't want Grandpa Joe to tell me one more time about how much God loves us and favors us while I'm getting beat every day to build a nation for people that are holding us in captivity. You ever had the word of the Lord frustrate you? It's getting real quiet in here tonight. Have you ever had the word of the Lord frustrate you? 
Come on, I've had the word of the Lord frustrate me before where I know that I had this word and everything that I saw was completely opposite of what the word was that people were reminding me of. And there comes a time when people keep reminding you of the word and your situation is contrary. And whenever they first start reminding you of the word when your situation is contrary to the word, it gets you excited. Gets you pumped up. Gives you hope. But there comes a point where you hear it enough and you go, I don't want to hear it one more time. You don't know what I'm living in. You don't know what I'm experiencing. I don't want to hear one more time what the word was over my life. Because obviously the prophet of God missed it and God hates my guts. I've done something wrong. I missed the the boat, missed the mark somewhere, and everything has gone haywire. I don't want to hear one more time about how much God wants to bless me. I can barely pay my bills and pastors up prophesying how God's going to release blessing over my life. I don't want to hear it again. I know none of y'all have ever been there before, but I've been there before where I didn't want to hear the word anymore. Didn't want to hear it another time. So they're in this situation. They're building the empire of another nation while being told how much God's favored them. (laughs) Thankfully, I don't think any of us quite have that level of experience with this. But we've all been there before. We've all been there before. Imagine having someone to tell you that God has a land for you to possess while the sound of chains rattle and the crack of the whip breaks your skin. God's got a land for you to possess while the taskmaster is yelling at you to work harder. And how many of us have the Holy Spirit reminding us there's a promise that I placed inside of you? All while we hear the voice of a taskmaster. Or let me give you another example. Maybe it's not you. Maybe God's given you words about your children, about your family, about your marriage. And you hear that word God's going to use your marriage to minister to people and minister life and restoration. And all the while, the taskmaster is yelling at you. But you can't even get along with your husband. But you can't even get along with your wife. Y'all don't even like each other anymore. Y'all might still love each other, but you don't like each other anymore. Y'all know there's a difference, right? Am I getting too personal tonight? Y'all still with me? This is the reality. The road from promise to possession is filled with bumps and bruises. But God's going to be victorious in the end. And it can be really frustrating in the bumps and bruises stage. It can be really difficult when you know what God has said, but everything else looks different. But you know what you got to do? Keep going. You got to keep going. You got to keep pushing. So they've heard this. They've heard the taskmaster. They've seen the taskmaster. Then Moses shows up. Nothing. Imagine the hope when Moses showed up at first, and they're like, he's saying this is it. And the hope that this is finally it. And then Pharaoh keeps refusing to let you go. Hmm? You ever had the hope where it looked like things were finally about to break open for you? And then suddenly... It felt like Pharaoh said, nope, not now. It felt like the thing that had bound you and kept you said, nope, not yet. (laughs) Frustrating, but you got to keep going. And I don't want to go into the whole story of the Exodus 
that leads up to where we are in the Red Sea. But you know the story. Finally, Pharaoh relents and says, y'all can go. Leave. Get out. Pharaoh's begging them practically to leave at this point. To the point as they're leaving, you have the people of Egypt that are loading them down with, with blessing. And this has got to be it. Everything's up and up and only going to get better from here, baby. Our enemies are now blessing us. It says as they're leaving, they're giving them gold and silver and cattle. And that's all before they get to the Red Sea. They're blessing them, and it feels like finally breakthrough. Finally. Finally. I never thought this day would come, but finally breakthrough is here. You ever been there before? It never felt like this was going to happen. But finally, breakthrough. It's happening. We've seen the miracles. We've seen the promises. We've seen what God said. Listen, I never doubted for a second. Because whenever we begin to see it, we all of a sudden act like we never, we never faltered. Yes, God did it. I knew God was going to do it. Moses, you're my boy, Moses. Didn't doubt you for a second. I knew God had anointed you. I knew God sent you. I knew God purposed for you. And suddenly the sound of horses are heard behind you, galloping and getting closer. And you look over his shoulder, and the enemy that you thought you had escaped is now hot on your heels. And you know the main thing we want to do and the main thing we do whenever we're in this type of situation and we think we've had breakthrough and then suddenly it feels like there's a relapse. We want to play the blame game. We want to play the blame game. And that's what they start doing. Moses, Moses, why did you bring us out here just to die? Why'd you do that? They have graves in Egypt. We didn't want to come here anyways, which was a lie. It amazes me how we lie whenever we get mad, start blaming people. I didn't want breakthrough anyways. I didn't want that promotion anyways. I didn't want the word anyways. I didn't want a promise anyways. I didn't want to be here. I'm only here because my, I, I'm only here because somebody made me come here. Y'all with me? Actually, if you read a little bit earlier, it says that the people believed. So they did believe Moses. They believed in what they were doing. But when things don't go the way we thought they would go, we get, we get scared. Let's be real. We get scared. And when we get scared, we start blaming whoever we can. We have to make somebody the enemy for while we're in the situation we are in rather than blaming the enemy. If the enemy can get you to blame someone else, he can keep the heat off himself. Let me say it again. If the enemy can get you to blame somebody else, he can take the heat off himself and get you, uh, get you distracted from where your warfare should be against, and you'll start fighting battles you were never intended to fight against people you were never intended to fight. And we look at this, and we look at the children of Israel, and we go, how silly. How silly for them to, to doubt God. Yeah, because you know the end of the story. Because you know how it ends. But we've all been there before. Where we've been pursuing the promise and it looks like breakthrough. And then it looks like the enemy. And then we start blaming people. Hmm? I know why I'm in this situation. I went in for counsel and Pastor Joshua gave me bad counsel. It's his fault. I know why I'm in this situation. It's, it's the church. It's the church's fault. 
If I find a different church, it'd fix all my problems, fix all my issues. I know why I'm in this problem. It's the person I'm married to. That's the most common one people do. Because it's easy to blame the people who are closest to you whenever things go awry. As a matter of fact, this is, this is what we so frequently do. When things don't go the way we're expecting them to go, we start blaming the people who have been our biggest advocates. We start blaming the people who have been our biggest support. We frequently start blaming the person who's had our back the most. And most of the time, we start with the spouse. This is your fault. <laughs> How many of you ever looked at your spouse and said, this is your fault? About eight honest people in the room, maybe. Y'all, the rest of y'all are liars. You may not have said those words, but you've said enough words to imply it. Some of y'all didn't say any words. Y'all just looked at them. They knew exactly what it meant. They knew exactly what it meant. Y'all were scared to raise your hand. She's like, I hope they forgot about that time. Hmm? We blame the people who are closest to us. We blame the people who have fought alongside us. The only reason they've made it this far is because Moses showed up. And the first person they blame is Moses. Moses was the agent that God used to bring freedom and deliverance. And the first person that they blame is the guy who put his neck on the line for him. The first person they blame is the guy who went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. First person they blame said, we just wanted to die in Egypt. We were good, Moses. You messed it all up. Thanks a lot for ruining our slavery. Think about it for three seconds. Thanks, Moses, for ruining the slavery we were living in. We had it great. We had to work. We had full-time jobs. We had leeks and onions provided to us. You know, we had leaking shacks that were provided for us to live in. It was a great existence, Moses. I mean, we couldn't do whatever we wanted to do, but, you know, it amazes me how oftentimes, whole nother message, we will romanticize the past that wasn't so great. Anytime the future that we're in, the reality we're in right now looks a little bit rough and the future seems unsure, and we don't have the eyes of faith to see it through, we start romanticizing the way things used to be that weren't all that great. I've heard me say it before, sometimes the good old days weren't all that good. That's why you tried to get out of those days. Don't go back to the place that God brought you out of. Don't put yourself, come on, don't put yourself back in bondage that God brought you out of. Why in the world do we do this? And I see people do it all the time. We romanticize chains that the enemy put on us. And we go, I was good. You weren't good. I remember when you were in my office, you weren't good. I remember what your marriage was like. You weren't good. I remember what your family was like. You weren't good. I know that you think it's good now because you're scared. That's okay. You're scared because things look a little bit rocky right now. And it looks like the promise may not happen, but you know what? God's going to win in the end. His promise is going to come through. We just got to keep walking the road, and we can't start blaming other people and throwing rocks at people that we're not supposed to throw rocks at. We're going to throw our rocks at the enemy and not at each other. Can somebody say amen? This is the reality. There's one thing that I've learned. Let me back up before I get there. One of the greatest signs of a lack of trust is fear and blaming others. Whenever you live in trust, you won't live in fear. When you trust God, you won't live in fear. Now listen, I don't mean you don't take precautions. I don't mean you get in the car and drive 170 miles an hour and don't wear a seatbelt, right? God gave you a brain too. Can somebody say amen? We live in wisdom, 
but we don't live in fear because we trust God. Show me someone who's living in fear and blaming other people, and I'll show you somebody who isn't living in trust. We often fall into this trap of forgetting what God has done in the past because we're afraid of what might not happen in the future. Hmm? The same God that brought you through your previous situation is the same God that's going to bring you through whatever you face in the future. I am not so ignorant to think. I'm 37 years old and I've seen some difficulties and seen some trials and we've been through some things. Thankfully, compared to a lot of people, they've been relatively mild. But everybody in life, you live on the planet Earth, you've been through a trial. How many have been through a trial before? And I am not so ignorant to believe just because I'm saved and a pastor and filled with the Holy Ghost that for the rest of my life I will never face a trial again. As a matter of fact, I guarantee you there will be trials that I will face. It's not a negative faith confession. It's just the reality of life. But you know what? I know who holds every situation in his hand. And I know that even when things get rocky and even though there may be bumps and bruises and even though there may be some unexpected twists and turns that he's going to bring me through at the end and I'm going to trust him to bring me through to the other side. This is the reality. Things don't always go the way you thought. <laughs> I could write a book in my life about how things didn't go the way that I thought. But you know what has been consistent? At the end of the day, I've made the choice even when things got rough to stay on the right path. I've made the choice that even whenever things didn't go the way that I thought they were go and the way that I thought God was going to take me, that I kept my trust on him. And that's what we can learn from this. Keep your trust on him. When things don't go the way you expected, whenever they came out of Egypt, they didn't expect the chariots to come behind them, but God showed up again. God showed up again. I've heard Karen Wheaton say this a hundred times. God is never late. He just misses plenty of opportunities to be early. Y'all know what I'm talking about? God, where are you? God feels like you're late. He's right on time. He's not on your time frame, but he's going to be right on time. And he's not going to be late. He's not going to miss his opportunity. And he's going to show up in your situation. You with me? Then today, I've stayed on the right path, and God's always delivered me. He's always brought me through. He's always brought me out. He's always showed up at the right time. It may not be in the way I thought it was going to happen. It may not be in the time that I thought it was going to happen. It may not be the methodology that I thought it was going to happen. But he's always brought me through. He's always brought me through. If you had asked me a year ago if I'd be here right now, my answer would be no. But here I am. Because I've stayed on the right path. And even when things didn't go the way that I thought they were going to go, God had a better plan to bring me to the places that he needed to bring me and on the path he needed to take me to bring you exactly to where you need to be at the right time, at the right season, at the right point. So you have to fully trust God. When things don't go the way that you think they're going to go, trust God. When things don't look like they're going your way, trust God. God, when things look like they are completely upside down and you don't, you go, I don't know what happened, trust God. He's going to bring you through. He brought them through. And if he brought them through, you better believe he's going to bring you through because they're not any more special than you are. Say it again. They're not any, some of y'all, they're not any more special than you are. So what happens? You know the story. God parts the sea and they cross the sea. You know how they cross the sea? One step at a time. I know that's a gigantic revelation. 
one step at a time. This really is a great picture of the walk of faith. You know how we walk the walk of faith? One step at a time. One day at a time. One act of obedience at a time. One day of faithfulness at a time. I might not know what the step is 10 feet down the road. But a lot of times we know what the first step is. We know what the step for today is. And by the way, Holy Spirit will lead and guide you on what those steps are whenever you're uncertain. Whenever you're not sure, he's going to be there. He's going to put somebody in your path. He's going to speak to your heart. He's going to speak to you, and he's going to tell you what the step is to take. Because he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He'd never leave you. He'd never forsake you. And he's not going to leave you and hang you out to dry and just say, figure it out. He's going to lead you and guide you. But we have to take the steps. You might feel like the army is pursuing you. Let me back up. Say it again. You might feel like the army that is pursuing you is closer than your purpose, but you only get closer to purpose one step at a time. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, very familiar. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Well, pastor, I'm not, I, don't, I, don't see, I don't see the end game. I don't see what the end of this thing is going to be. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Well, I don't know what's going to happen if I take that next step. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Well, I'm not sure about it, for we walk by faith and not by sight. It's really a challenging verse. We say it a lot of times. People say it. People are really bad just about saying Scripture and not really thinking about what the Scripture says. <laughs> for we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm somebody, y'all heard me talk about this before, I like a plan. Do we have any other planners in the room? Come on, any like hardcore planners? Like you're going on vacation and you've like got your restaurants planned out. You know where you're going to stay. I am a planner to the T. Not having a plan stresses me out, right? My idea of a terrible vacation is a vacation with no plan because I am going to be stressed to the max the entire time because I'm going to be like, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what's happening. And I cannot handle this right now. Relax? You want me to relax? Give me a plan. I will be very relaxed. Anybody? Can I get an amen from anybody? I, I, I want, like, times. I want reservations. I want everything. I'm going to tell on Pastor Robert because he's not here tonight. My dad will do this. He will get, I'm not even kidding. It, my wife can verify this. If he's going on a trip, he will start looking at hotels. And he will get a reservation at about eight different hotels where he's going and slowly like dwindle it down until he decides on the one perfect place to stay. So if you wonder, Libby's nodding her head. She works for them too. She knows exactly what I'm talking about. He kept, they, they just, y'all know, they just went with my grandparents to celebrate their uh, 80th and birthday of my grandmother. I got to think about it. And their 60th wedding anniversary. I'm, keep, I'm, I'm the good grandson. I didn't say her age on the microphone. <laughs> How old are you, Grandma? 70, 78. My grandpa's 80th birthday. My grandma's 78th birthday. Their 60th wedding anniversary. They went and celebrated that uh, on a trip. And they went to New York. And they went on a great uh, colors cruise of the Northeast. But uh, my dad kept saying, I've got about five different hotels I'm looking at. I've got them all booked. I'm trying to figure out which one's going to be perfect to put us exactly where we want to be to make sure that we're in the right spot. That's the kind of planner that that man is. And I'm his son. <laughs> so if you wonder why I'm like that, Blame my dad. Uh, I'm a planner, okay? So this we walk by faith, not by sight thing, 
can be difficult for me sometimes because I'm like, God, I want to know what the plan is 10 years down the road. I want to know where I'm going to be. He's like, for we walk by faith and not by sight. But God, I want to know where we're going like down the road for we walk by faith and not. I just need you to take the first step. Y'all remember Indiana Jones in the, in the, the Last Crusade? I know this feels like a massive shift, but y'all hang with me. It actually ties in. Anybody remember Indiana Jones on the Last Crusade? It's okay. You're not going to get kicked out of the church for watching a movie. Anybody remember Indiana Jones on the Last Crusade? It's my favorite Indiana Jones movie. If you remember, there's a scene where Indy is, there's this big, like, ravine or big, uh, a gorge that they have to cross, right? And, uh, and there's this deal, and basically, uh, I don't want to go through the whole scene, but at the end, Andy realizes there must be something there, even like it looks like nothing's there, and he just got to take a step of faith. And he steps out, and he goes like this, and I can't reenact it because I will fall on the ground, but he goes like this, and there's something there. And suddenly the camera pans and reveals there's like this bridge there that he can walk across that couldn't be seen by the eye. And that's oftentimes how our faith walk is. It looks like, but if I take this step, I'm going to tumble into the abyss. And God's going, we walk by faith and not by sight. You may not can see it, but I'm there just waiting for you. Take the step. Take the first step. And then take another step. And then take another step. And you're going to end up on the other side of the Red Sea. And your enemy is going to be crushed behind you. But you've got to be willing to take the step. Because if you stand there, eventually the enemy is going to catch up to you. You got to take the step. You got to walk by faith. You got to begin to step out. You've been able to, to take that extra thing. And whatever is behind you, whatever has been pursuing you, God hasn't planned for that to keep you. He hasn't planned for that to be your end. Keep walking, keep going. Whatever distracted you this week, this month, this year, it isn't what God had for you. Keep walking. Whatever you feel like is getting really loud behind you, it's not the end of you. Keep walking. And watch what God does. You keep walking by faith, one step at a time, until you arrive at the place of promise, until you arrive exactly where God has for you to be. So we're kind of wrapping up tonight. The reality is this. Life, I'm not trying to be depressing tonight. It's actually an encouraging message if you hear it right. Life can be difficult at times. How many ever had some difficulty in life? Life can be difficult at times. Life is going to be filled with obstacles. In the words of Will Smith from Independence Day, welcome to earth. You're going to go through things. We've had two movie references in one night. Hallelujah. Yeah. Miranda said, just don't sing Brick House. No problem. I told Miranda, I said, Dad sings Brick House all the time. I went to find, I guess, the song that I sing, but all the songs from our generation are not appropriate to be sung in church. I'm not sure. Well, let's keep going. Let's just not, let's just not go there. <laughs> the good news is this. Just how God had the back of the children of Israel with an army breathing down their neck, he has your back too. When things get tough, he hasn't left you. He's still there. And he's still fighting for you. You have to trust that when things aren't going well, 
when things aren't going the way that you expected them and envisioned them to go. Because let's be real, we all have these visions for the way we think situations are going to play out. And oftentimes, we are wrong. We often have visions for the way that we think life is going to unfold. And by the way, once again, I'm a planner. I I'm, I'm have a year plan, three-year plan, five-year plan, ten-year plan. That's all wonderful. Just don't be so rigid that whenever you're wrong and God shows up and adjusts it, that you don't let him adjust it. I had a plan, and that plan did not involve moving back to Panama City, Florida and pastoring here. Travis Kelly had a plan. It did not involve coming back to Panama City, Florida and being on staff at High Praise. A lot of you had plans that would not have put you at this place at this time in this moment, and that's okay. Because even though you had a plan, God had a better plan. Even though you thought you knew a way and you knew the road and you threw the destination and you knew the way he was taking you, and it may have been rough to get you to this point, at the same time, you wouldn't change any of it that brought you to this point because the way that God brought you brought you to where you are right now. And where you are right now is going to take you to where he wants to take you in the future. Sometimes you just have to realize, sometimes... In the midst of the difficulty, hear the way I say this. I'm not saying God sends difficulty. But sometimes in the midst of the difficulty, it's a setup for God to move miraculously in your life and just really show you how powerful and how mighty he is. To show you just how for you he is. In the midst of difficulty, God can show you just how for you he is. I've been referencing the story a lot lately, but with Josiah and everything we went through him with his birth, I don't believe any of that was the plan of God, the will of God, the purpose of God. God doesn't send sickness, disease, infirmity, or difficulty. Somebody say amen. But I do believe in the midst of it that God showed up and showed out and showed miraculous, a miraculous work in our lives. And listen, it made me trust God more than I've ever trusted before. And that trust still endures to this day. So even in the midst of the bumps in the roads and the difficulties, God is still going to get the glory of it and still use it to bring you closer to him. This story ends. The last thing in the story. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. At the end of the day, God got glory out of the situation. And at the end of the day, in the midst of your situation and whatever struggle it may be going through, God's going to get the glory. you got to trust him. It's easy to trust God when he leads you to a green field with a blue sky. But do you trust him when he leads you to the Red Sea and there's an army behind you? Because God's the one who took them to the Red Sea. God took them there. He led them there. And then an enemy's behind you. What do you do whenever you do know, know that you're being obedient to God and things don't go the way that you thought they were going to go? They were, were they obedient to God? Were they obedient? This isn't a trick question. Were they obedient to God? Yes. Did the enemy show up even when they were obedient? Yes. Yes. Even when they were obedient, the enemy still showed up, but God delivered them. And sometimes it's in that process from obedience to the enemy showing up that we freak out. But you can't freak out because he's going to deliver you with his mighty hand and he's going to wipe out your enemy. Are you willing to be faithful and keep walking in faith when it doesn't make sense? Are you willing to be faithful and keep walking in faith even when it hurts? Are you willing to be faithful and keep walking in faith even when it seems counterproductive to your natural mind? Because one thing I can promise you is this. When you keep walking by faith, you keep taking those steps, you keep being faithful, in the midst of all of that, God's going to be victorious. He's going to bring you through into purpose. 
The road to purpose is filled with bumps and bruises, but God will ultimately be victorious in the end. He ultimately will come out and bring you through in victory and in triumph. Don't quit when it gets hard. Don't quit when you get bruised and beaten. Don't quit when it looks like it's not going to go your way. You keep walking by faith one step at a time. That's what the story is really about. One step at a time. One act of obedience at a time. And watch how God manifests himself powerfully on your behalf. This isn't a story just of some seas parting. This is a story of people going through difficult situations and God still coming out victorious on the other side and leading them in triumph and leading them in victory and bringing them through and to promise, into destiny, and ultimately into their promised land. Will you stand up to your feet tonight? Will you stand up to your feet tonight? Do you get something out of this tonight? Listen, I know, I know this is not a shout, scream, run around the room message, but listen, next time you're in difficulty, you remember this. And that whenever you're faithful, God's going to bring you through into promise. And you just keep walking and doing what he said to do. We you lift your hands tonight? We you sit your hands? Father, I thank you for your people tonight. I thank you, Lord, that in the midst of life's difficulties, challenges, bumps in the road, bruises, Lord, that you're going to bring us through in victory, that we're going to keep walking in faith one step at a time, one day at a time. And, Lord, as we do that, that you're going to bless us, that as you do that, as we do that, you're going to bring us into triumph and destiny, purpose and breakthrough, that you will never leave us, you'll never forsake us. And as we're faithful, you are going to do incredible and in mighty things in our lives. Because, Lord, as we are faithful, you're going to show yourself faithful to us. As we're faithful to your word, you're going to be faithful to what you said you would do. We thank you for us. We give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says amen. Can you give them a hand clap of praise tonight, a shout this evening? Hallelujah. Amen. 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 We're going to have some teams up here. If you need ministry, they will be here for you to minister to you. Uh, and we're going to be back Sunday morning, 10 a.m. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Continuing our series on the power of thanksgiving. Father, we bless your people. We declare abundance. We declare victory. We declare turnaround over their lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. We love you. We love you. We love you. If we see you Sunday morning, 10 a.m., you're dismissed. God bless y'all. Love you. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.